Hello, hello to my wonderful family. I am so glad to be with you today, this lovely Thursday. I have a lot to talk to you about today, about the dangers that people can put themselves in if they touch and speak harm against true ministers of the gospel. And what the Bible has to say about it. I want to inform you because I think you can help a lot of your friends to understand what the Bible has to say about this. But first, thank you for being my wonderful family and partners and friends. And I pray the Lord today will really use this to really kind of give us all what his thoughts are on it. What does the word say about it? Which I think is so important, especially in these days. Dearest Jesus, bless your people today, Lord, in a mighty way. Speak to all of us through your precious word. To you belongs the glory and the honor. And God's dear people said, Amen. The reason I'm dealing with this is because I've been... You know, hearing things lately, you know, people, I think, have become so, how shall I say it, uncaring about ministers that God are really using, that is really using. I think because of all the stuff going about right now with, well, you know what I'm talking about, everything going going around us, things have become so political in this country, a lot of division, a lot of confusion, a lot of questions. And pastors who are speaking truth and living holy lives today are being attacked, sadly, because of their stand that they've taken for the Lord and for His Word and for the right things to do in life. And uh, I don't want to name names, but uh, there's a lot of precious, precious saints of God today who are under attack from different uh, circles about a stand they may have taken in in one way or another about something or things they've said publicly, which they spoke rightly, you know, they were only sharing what the Bible really says, and they were attacked viciously by a lot of people that didn't want to hear it. So what does the Bible say about attacking men of God and women of God? Is that right to do? Well, let's first uh, look at Psalm 105, because beginning at verse 8, Because a lot of people use that to say, well, this is talking about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not talking about not harming other ministers. Well, that's not what the Bible really says, and I'll show you. But let's look at verse 8. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath with Isaac, confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, uh, from one kingdom to another, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. Well, okay. That does deal with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God protected them. No question, no doubt about it. But still, we have to see other other scriptures that say, touch not mine anointed. Of course there there are, that deal with uh, people who are not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Example, example. Let's go first of all to 1 Samuel 24. You know, here is David who understood, he fully understood the heart of God. Uh, that it's very harmful to speak against or to attack men or women 
who are truly anointed of God, even if they walked away from the ministry, or even if they're not living holy lives. It is forbidden in the word of God to touch anyone used of God or was used of God and walked away. Because we're dealing here with Saul. You, do you remember King Saul forsook the commandments of the Lord, rejected the word of the Lord? The Holy Spirit left his life. A demon spirit uh, harassed him. Yet when David came, and let's just look at this together, beginning at verse 8, uh, sorry, beginning at verse 1, I should say, in First Samuel 24. It came to pass when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in En Gedi. So now he takes 3,000 people with him, looking for David. He comes there, in verse 3, and there was a cave. Now it says, And Saul went in to cover his feet, meaning to use the bathroom. And David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do to him as it shall seem good to you. So here his men said, Okay, there is Saul your enemy. Now you can do to him what God has promised would happen to him. In other words, you know, God's going to judge him, so he's going to use you. And David, the Bible said, arose and cut, and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe without Saul knowing. But watch this. It came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. Now, wait a minute. He called him the Lord's anointed, even though he had now left, really, uh, the place where, where he was in pleasing the Lord, I mean. He forsook God's word. He rejected God's word. He became an enemy of David. He wanted to kill David. Yet David called him the Lord's anointed. He said, forbid, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing. I'm reading First Samuel 24, verse 6. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. Now, you know what? If you compare Saul with the people today who may have in some way or another gone through some turbulence in their ministry and life, or even sinned against God, well, so did Saul. I mean, here's Saul who was literally demon-possessed by this time, there was a demon in him harassing him. The Lord's Spirit had left him. Yet he was called the Lord's anointed. Why? Because the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. A man may lose the blessings of God, even the presence of God. But if he is anointed for ministry, he will still be anointed for that office. Like Balaam. Balaam was, was anointed as a prophet. And at the same time, he was dealing with witchcraft. It's all there in the Bible. Read it in the book of Numbers, please. And especially in chapter 24, verse 1, it says clearly with the third prophecy, he did not use enchantments. He did not use witchcraft, which means he did with the first and second prophecy. So why would David call Saul the Lord's anointed? Because he was still 
anointed for the kingdom, anointed for office. Yes, the Lord left him. It did not change the fact he was anointed to be king. And David recognized that. There may be men and women today who are not living for the Lord, but God did use them in the past. We cannot touch them. We just cannot touch them. And watch what what he said here. He said, the Lord forbid, verse 6, that I should do this unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. He was still the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants. He said, okay, stop with these words and suffer them not to rise against Saul. Now, let's look at another one. Let's look at, at chapter 26 of the same book. 1 Samuel 26, beginning at verse 2. And this is very, very eye-opening because it says, And Saul arose, went down to the wilderness of Ziph. 3,000 men again with him. Saul pitched in the hill of Hakelia before a place called Jeshimon. David abode in the wilderness. Now, David sent out spies and he understood that Saul was come. Indeed, he was there. So he arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched. And he saw where Saul was and Abner, his general. And he saw where the people were. And David said, verse 6, to Ahimelech, the Hittite, and to Abishai, the son of Zariah, his own nephew, and to, uh, and to these men, he said, who will go with me to Saul, to the camp? And Abishai, his own nephew, said, I'll go with you. Fine. David and Abishai came to the people by night. Behold, Saul was sleeping. He was sleeping. Verse 7. Within the trench. His spear stuck in the ground at his, at his bolster. Abner, the people, were sleeping around him. Now watch this. Then said Abishai to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, let me smite him. Let me kill him with the spear even to the earth at once, and I'll not have to smite him the second time, meaning I'll do it the first time. I'll kill the man and be done with it. What did David say to, 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 to his own nephew? Destroy him not. Watch this, watch this. For who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Who can stretch his hand against the Lord's anointed, even though... Saul had gone away from God, basically, was not living for the Lord. But who can still stretch his hand against the Lord's anointed? He still called the Lord's anointed. And be without guilt. Be guiltless. I read an article from some pastor who basically said that touch not God's anointed means God's people. So we're all anointed. Well, I think he should read this. Somebody ought to tell him, hey, have you ever read 1 Samuel 24 and 26? No, I guess not. And then he said, David said furthermore, verse 10, as the Lord lives, the Lord will smite him, not you. This is not your job to be smiting a man of God who is still a man of God. Even though he's not serving the Lord like he should have or like he was. He is still the Lord's anointed. You cannot be the Lord's anointed and not be a man of God, even though you're not living right. 
because God is still using that man. And God is still using people today who may not be living a holy life. I know this may be shocking to you. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. There's Saul as a perfect example. And there's more examples, not just Saul himself. He said, the Lord will smile him. Or his day will come to die. Or he will descend into battle and perish. The Lord forbid, verse 11, the Lord forbid that I should stretch forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. Wow. Now, I'm going to show you something in the book of Acts. Okay? Because some may say, well, this is Old Testament. Okay, fine. Let's look at the New Testament. Let's look at the book of Acts. Let's look at chapter 23. Let's look at verse 1. And it says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, said, now he was there standing between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and so on. He said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Now, the high priest Ananias, the same high priest who condemned the Lord to the cross, commands those around to smite, to slap Paul on the mouth. So here he says, all he said is, men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience. He didn't even say anything wrong before God. And the priest said, slap him. And he just, one man just on the mouth. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee. Now he was saying that to the high priest. God will smite thee, thy white, thou whited wall. In other words, white washed wall, meaning you're dirty underneath and you're painted on the outside as though you're clean. For thou sittest, for sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law. Because it was forbidden to do that according to the law. But the high priest said, slap him. For saying something right, not even wrong. Mm. And then it says, and they that stood by said, revilest thou God's high priest? Are you speaking against high, you know, God's high priest? The high priest, the same man who condemned the Lord to the cross, the same man who, who says, slap Paul for saying what is right. Then said Paul, I wished not, brethren, I did not know he was the high priest. For it is written, thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Hold it, stop. Ananias was still the ruler of the people, even though a wicked man by this time. Not a holy man. Not someone who's a friend. He's an enemy of the gospel and the Lord's people. He's the same man who put people like Peter and John and the others in prison. Think what they would do to him today, you know? They would, they would be you know, attacking him left and right. Yet Paul said, no, I will not attack him because the Bible says 
thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. Wow. David understood the same thing. You can't touch the Lord's anointed. You can't harm them. Because God had used them or is still using them. Or at one time they were using them, not anymore really, uh, you know, walking with God. The law is clear. The word is clear. So when we go back to Psalm 105, touch not the Lord's anointed, do my prophets no harm. We have to understand the whole picture of the Bible. And the whole picture of the Bible is quite simple. What God said about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob applied to Saul and applied to to, Caiaphas, the high priest. More than that. All right. Let's let's look at, you know, David had said that, and I want to say a little more, because I think it's important to understand what the Bible has to say. You know, when Korah came against his own, he was one of his cousins against Moses. God judged him. When Aaron and Miriam came against Moses, God judged Miriam by shrugging her with leprosy. And Aaron later was dismissed from the priesthood and died. So we got to be very, very, very careful with this. God even said in, in the word, to his people Israel. He said, when an old man walks into a room, stand up, honor that old man just because he's, he's you know, of, of, of age. He's got white hair. They did that then. They don't do it today. I think a lot of people in the church have lost the importance of honor, you know, like even honoring your father and mother. Nobody honors mom and dad anymore, hardly, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there's people everywhere that still do. But in many cultures, they don't. I come from a, a culture where we had to honor mom and dad. I honored my father and mother till God took them home. We would go in as kids and kiss my father's hand every day because it was the honor. I gave my daddy my salary till I got in the ministry and, and was married. I literally gave my dad the money I made at work till I was married. Because it's honor. And he wasn't saved back then. I took care of my mom till the day, till the day God took her home. My own father passed away when, when he was 58. He was young. My mom, she was 85. And she'd say, oh, you don't have to do this. I gave her a, a check every week. Honor, honor. And so God says, honor your father and mother. Not just because they're Christians. Because they're your mom and dad. Take care of them. Today we don't hardly hear about that. So you'll live long on the earth. It's going to be good. You're going to have you know, a good long life. God's going to bless you. So I think when people don't honor parents, that's I think when they just won't honor anyone else. Because if you don't honor your mom and dad, why, why would you honor a preacher? Or anyone else who's older than you. And today you hear, you know, uh, in this country anyways, uh, they'll call their father by names like, hey, dude, come on, you can call your father dude? Hey, man, please, no way. 
<laughs> my son Joshua, a long time ago, called me, man, boy, I stopped him in his tracks. He called me, sir, to this day. Sir, sir, he always called me, sir. It's honor, even though he wasn't born in Israel like I was. So it's, it's, it's something I think that's lacking today in the church, especially, what it's really needed right now, to show honor, not only to the elderly and people in authority, but especially preachers. Whether God is blessing them or not, had, if God blessed them in the past, honor them. Judas, let me ask you a question. Did Jesus ever attack Judas publicly? Is there anywhere in the Bible that we, where we see Jesus, the Lord, attacking Judas? When Judas left to go betray the Lord, nobody knew why he was going. Nobody. They thought he was going to go and buy food for the poor. And I think the great, greatest example to see the Lord's heart. After Jesus rose from the dead, never one time did he say, Did you see what he did to me? Did you see what Judas did against me? Not a word. Not a word in the Bible. Nowhere does it say the Lord even mentioned his name. Or did you see what, what? Because he understood. The man was anointed. He was one of the twelve. He went out and laid hand on the sick. On the sick. Judas used to cast out them, you know, to cast out demons. He anointed people with oil like the others. He was one of the apostles. The Lord never touched him. If Jesus never touched Judas, what right do people have today to touch preachers? No matter who they are. Because they have their office. They have their office. So, the Bible says, in Deuteronomy 32, 35, God said, he said this, to me belongs vengeance and recompense. Their foot will slide in due time. God knows how to punish those who walk away from him. It's not our job to judge. God knows how to do it. He said, their foot will slide in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them will make haste. The Lord will judge his people. The Lord will judge his people. And then it says, and have compassion for his servants. He will repent himself for his servants. Or the Hebrew says, have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone. God is a God of full of mercy and love and compassion. When he sees his servants' power is gone, his heart goes out to them. To restore them. The Bible is all about restoration, not destruction. Galatians, we are told, you that are strong, restore with meekness them who are weak. That's Christianity. That's real, true, biblical, holy Christianity. Where we restore others, not destroy them. And I've heard it before, you know. Sadly, in the church, we kill our wounded. How sad, how sad, how sad. That should stop. And it's getting really bad out there. That should really stop. It's not in the Bible. The Lord is not pleased when we attack people that he had used or is still using. Please, we have to stop. Let the Lord do it. 
and he will do it. Now, I think you all know what it says in, in uh, Romans 12. Because Paul, see, this is both an old and new covenant. So, I'm giving it to you because in Kismet, well, that's Old Testament. No, it's also New Testament. Dearly beloved, verse 19, Romans 12, avenge not yourselves. Give place unto wrath. It is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy hunger, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Love wins. Forgiveness wins. Compassion wins. Mercy wins. But not when we attack people. We don't win. Nobody wins. Okay. In Luke 6.37, Jesus said, Judge not lest you be judged. Don't judge, because if you judge anybody, God will judge you. That's the scary part. That's the scary part. That if you judge people, or someone you know judges people, maybe I'm not saying you like watching me, then God will judge us if we judge people or preachers. Judge not. Ye shall not be judged. Condemn not. You'll not be condemned. Forgive, you'll be forgiven. That is the greatest thing, I think. Wow. Forgive. The greatest thing that liberates people is forgiveness. Because when people hate, they lower themselves below their enemies. And all they do is they're harming their own life. That's it. When, when people don't, don't forgive, they're, they're hurting them, themselves, nobody else. Nobody else. And Jesus said they'll be given to the tormentors when they don't forgive. So, now, people like to use in their defense, well, that they, they think they have the right, I suppose, to attack preachers. They use Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and verse 2 and 3. Where Peter, Peter says there were false prophets also among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who privately or privately will bring indemnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their per- pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through greed and covetousness, they'll, they'll come with words and make merchandise of you, and so on. Nowhere does it say that we have the right to judge them. It says God, verse 4, if God spared not the angels that sinned, if God did not spare the angels, If he did not spare the world, then it's God himself who will judge those people. Wow. The Lord knows how to to deliver the, uh, the godly out of temptation and has reserved the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So when I hear people judging others, I'm thinking, what? Are you taking God's place now? The Bible says when we are not allowed to judge, to make ourselves appoint self-appointed judges. 
Only God judges. Only God judges. So what is a Christian? What is a true Christian? Galatians 5 talks about the real Christ-like person. Galatians 5.22. I love what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Nowhere does it say judgment and unforgiveness. The fruit of the Spirit is love. We have to love our enemies. Joy, peace, long-suffering. Let the Lord deal with them. Gentleness. Some preachers have taken it upon themselves to publicly expose the sins of other preachers. To publicly attack others who may believe and teach other things that they themselves don't agree with. Well, that's just theology. I don't, I don't have to, 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 to agree with, with other preachers on what they believe. We're all one in the Lord, but I have my own opinion on what I believe the Bible teaches. I should have the liberty and the freedom to decide what I believe and not be judged just because I believe something. Let God show me. Let God show you. I sat with one of them many years ago who was attacking me viciously on radio. I befriended him. <clears throat> I went and had lunch with him, dinner with him. Uh, we became friends somewhat. I tried to be a friend to him in a real Christ-like way. He just wouldn't accept it. He saw me as some evil man. We're sitting in a restaurant one time. His wife was there. He was quite famous at the time. Uh, everybody knew his name on radio. He was very anti-charismatic. Didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He, he believed that the power of God that he saw in our meetings was more like uh, entertainment, he said. Mm. He told me there's no difference between my crusades and a wrestling match. WWF, whatever they call them. Can you believe that, Chad? That's what he said. Yeah. He said, well, if you watch those wrestling matches and you watch your crusades, it's the same thing. I'm thinking, what? What, what did you say? Really? Anyways, so we were having dinner. And his wife ordered hot tea. So they brought the hot tea. And they just had a baby. And so she's holding the baby in her arm. And the tea, the hot uh, water, in fact, before they put the tea in, fell on the baby. And so I grabbed the baby immediately out of her hand to save the baby, his baby, that man's baby who was attacking me, to save his baby from the hot water. His wife ran to take care of herself because all that hot water was on her dress. And he looks at me and says, and I'm holding his baby, okay? He says, hmm, you're not evil after all. I said, you're not evil. You really believe I'm evil just because I believe something in the Bible that you don't? Just because I believe in the power of God that you don't? Just because I believe God heals and you don't? And then he said, well, Benny, I, I'll, you know, kind of feel be nicer to me. So his wife comes. 
And then she sees me holding the baby, and she says to him, now stop attacking Benny on radio. It's enough. His wife now takes sides with me, which was very refreshing and wonderful at that moment. A week later, I'm listening to him on radio to see if he's going to keep his word. And he was attacking me left and right on radio. I said, the man just told me he wouldn't do it. So I called him right there on the phone. I had his number. I said, you told me you wouldn't do this. Well, come on, you have to understand, he said. If I stop attacking you, the donations would stop. I said, so, you're attacking me on radio so you can get money from your followers? He said, well, without you, uh, you know, my, my donations would go down if, if you know, I don't attack you. I said, oh, dear Lord, I can't believe I'm hearing this. I said, you gave me your promise. Well, I'm so sorry, I can't do it. I said, well, then you're not honest. You're just not honest. He was... He left that radio station. He left the group he was with. And I have not heard his name since. You know, the, the sad thing is, when I would talk to him and he would bring up things I'd said in the past, which I did say foolishly, you know, when I was younger. When, 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 I mean, who hasn't said foolish things when we were younger? Come on, please. I said, listen. That was me 20 years ago. That's not me today. I don't believe that stuff. In fact, I publicly said I don't believe that anymore. I said, don't you give us a chance to grow up? Don't you give us a chance to grow and mature and get to know the word of God better and not say the things we used to say and used to believe? Well, you said it. I said, just because I said it 20 years ago doesn't mean I believe it now. Just because I said something 20 years ago, that doesn't mean I believe it today. Please be human enough to allow me to grow up. He could not understand that we have to grow and mature. He said, you said it. He said, only God knows your your heart. I only can judge you by your words. I said, by my words 20 years ago? I said, I'm trying to show you my heart by befriending you and having dinners with you and lunch and this and that. He just won't have it. Because their mentality is they will judge you no matter if you change or not because you said it. So they're they're stuck with, you said it. So I came to the conclusion, that man doesn't worship God. He worships doctrine. There are a lot of people like that who don't worship Jesus. They worship doctrine. Their God is theology, doctrine. And they're the ones who attack people, left and right. I don't want you to be one of them. So, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Oh, how we need it today. Joy and peace. Long-suffering. How we need that today. Gentleness. Not people who are cruel and rude and unkind and hateful with what they say about others. Goodness, faith, meekness. Meekness means controlled strength. Don't just say it. Hold it in. Temperance. How I love that. Self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. Because anything outside that is the flesh. Hate and all the rest is all flesh. But they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. 
Well, I pray this has been a help to you. Let's love one another. Let's be kind. Let's be merciful and forgiving. Let's not hold grudges and bitterness against people just because we don't see eye to eye with them. Or they don't see eye to eye with us. We are the body of Christ. We are one in the Lord. Let's, let's shine. Let the world see we love each other. We used to sing years ago, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And the people will know we are disciples by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. It's time to love, sweet saints. It's time to love. Wonderful Jesus, I thank you for your love. You never condemn. Your word says there is therefore now no condemnation. You said to that woman caught in the very act, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. That's your heart, Lord, that's your heart. You're a forgiving Lord. You said we're to forgive 70 times 7. Not just once. Give us your heart, precious Savior. Give us your heart that we may love each other and forgive each other and be a blessing to one another. And Lord, we pray for those who have appointed themselves as judges, that you will show them their way and bring them back to your word and your walk and fellowship. In your precious name. And Lord, meet every need today, every need, every need, whether it be a spiritual need or a emotional need or a physical need or a financial need. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. It's time to give to the Lord's work. I do ask you for that every day because it's the word of God. It's not my idea. It's God who said, give, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, chained together, running over. It's the Lord who commands us to give because out of love we give. Out of obedience we give. And God promised that he would bless us. And why does God ask us to live for our, to give for, for our own good, that he would bless us? Because without giving, we cannot receive. Without sowing, we cannot reap. And God wants us to give him our seed so he can bless it. He can multiply it. He can give it back to us right on time when we need the harvest in, in our life. So, the information is on the screen. You can give right on the platform you're watching me on. You can give by going to our website, benihin.org. You can give by texting BHM45777. You can become a partner too and give every monthly whatever God puts on your heart. And God will bless you for it. We're uh, launching our own channel on Roku soon. If the Lord speaks to you to give for that, we need about 48000 which will pay for two years worth of being on Roku with our own channel. So if the Lord speaks to you, I would really appreciate that you help me with it because we want to launch very soon, before the end of the year, God willing, if the funds come in. So let's do it for the Lord. That's 24 hours a day, imagine, on Roku. That's worldwide. So much love and blessings. I'll see you tomorrow for another beautiful day. And may the Lord bless you and build you, comfort and anoint you and use you in Jesus' name. Much love. Bye-bye.